Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Ford Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusak, and in this episode, my guest is the tournament director for the Travelers Championship, Nathan Groob. In the podcast you're about to hear, Nathan and I discuss what goes into running a PGA Tour event, and what might go into running a PGA Tour event during the COVID-19 pandemic. As of right now, the Travelers Championship is on, scheduled to be played June 25 to 28. Nathan and I talk at length about how his team has worked with state and local officials, as well as the PGA Tour, over the past several weeks planning the Travelers Championship. We also talk about the precautions that need to be in place in order to hold the tournament. And in the end, as much as we love golf and we love sports, is it all worth it? Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. I'd like to welcome to the Four Press Podcast, Nathan Groob. Nathan is one of those people that sort of behind the scenes helps to make one of the PGA Tour's best events. And I say that not just because it's my home game, not just because the golf course at TPC River Highlands is about 20 minutes from my house, but um, the Travelers Championship has worked its way into a really good status on the PGA Tour. The Travelers Championship has embraced a date Um, which is historically the week after the U.S. Open, that a lot of different tournaments would be hesitant to jump into. You know, the the first, or I should say that usually the the second or third major championship of, of the year, a lot of pros like to take the week off. The Travelers Championship has embraced this date and has, over the last, I'd say, four or five years, had shockingly good fields. Nathan, welcome to the Forward Press Podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, David. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate the time. Yeah, no, it's um, it's some pretty wild times at, at this point, and your tournament is one that, as of today, we're recording this. Uh, it's it's Tuesday morning, and it is April the 21st. It's game on right now. Obviously, with a lot of different things that I want to talk with you about in terms of conditions and how things are actually going to be run this year at the Travelers Championship. But I'd like to ask you just for for a little bit of background. Um, as the tournament director, what what different operations at the event sort of fall underneath your umbrella? Tell people who may not be aware of what a tournament director at a major PGA Tour event does. Well, I would say this: the the first, I would say the most important thing that I do is make sure you hire the right people who are much smarter than you <laughs> and who have the ability to do things that you just can't do. So. Um, I mean, we have an incredible team, first of all, that uh, that works on this. And I mean, and, and you know, and maybe the listeners don't know, uh, the viewers that uh, with Travelers as our title sponsor, they are a 
phenomenal title. I mean, they are a local, I would say they look at themselves as, as this being very personal for them as a local event. And uh, they take it very seriously. I mean, they have over, I think it's over 6,000 employees here in the Hartford area. They are synonymous with Hartford. I mean, the red umbrella is, uh, you know, something that people say, oh, that's Hartford, Connecticut. And so they take it very personal. That's the first thing. And so the team that they have on the title sponsor side and then the team that we have on the tournament side, uh, we're very lucky. We're very, very lucky to have such a such a good group of people that love this event, that care about it. And so I think it starts there with um, just your title taking it so personal. And then they just set the tone, I mean, from the CEO on down. And so, I mean, we look at this. This event's a, a unique event. I got here in uh, 2005. And it was just very, very clear immediately when I moved here that this, this, this community, this state embraced this tournament in a different way. Um, I mean, this is their, you know, at the time when I got here, I, I realized this was their major league sporting event. Yeah. And I jumped right into it. You know, we, we have no NFL team here. We have no, you know, major league baseball, things like that. I mean, there are, there are some good sports programs, but the community viewed this as their opportunity to show the world what Connecticut can do with a professional sports franchise. And when travelers came on in, uh, 07, they just, just hit the accelerator to this thing and, um, have put the resources behind it and the energy behind it to where, you know, working with the tour and TPC river Highlands, you know, building a new practice facility and building a new clubhouse and, you know, doing all these things that just have continued to push the momentum forward for the event. And it's just, it's been an unbelievable ride. I mean, I can't believe I've been here 15 years and just to see what's happened in that time has been, has been phenomenal to be a part of. Uh, again, there's a sense of pride in the community about where we are now and uh, what has happened. And to your, to your point earlier in the intro about the date, it was, uh, so 07 when we got that date, it became one of those things we were wrestling with it going, okay, you know, the week after the open mm-hmm. uh, or the U S open, like what's that going to do? Let's, let's talk to players. Let's talk to agents, managers, caddies, you know, wives, girlfriends, like, Hey, what do you think of this date? You know, like, um, how does it feel from a scheduling standpoint? And there was a general feeling. And I would say that Andy Bissett led this, led this charge and Andy's um, in charge of the tournament on the title sponsor side. He basically had this philosophy of, okay, the date is not going to make the tournament. The tournament is going to make the date. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember doing an interview and um, before travelers came on the set, it was like, Oh six, they announced it. And so we were going into that first year and, you know, doing interviews where people are like, man, how are you going to make this work the week after the open? Like, it's just, it's a difficult date. It it's is. a challenge from a field standpoint. And then to your point, you know, 10 years later, I, I did an interview like uh, two years ago where, you know, Jordan was here and Rory was here for the first time, you know, and everybody's saying all these things about the tournament. And it was with a different reporter. And he said, how did you guys get so lucky with this date the week after the U.S. <laughs> Open? And I didn't, la- I didn't laugh out loud, but I chuckled, you know, kind of thinking, man, the work that went into just embracing it, you know, leaning into, okay, what, what's the player's mentality, um, you know, the week after a major? How do you, how do you capitalize on that? You know, how do you make sure that uh, you, you do all the right things and make it a place that they want to come to? And it's been it's been a journey. But I would say we, we built up a reputation with the players. And now it's it's something that, um, you know, a place where they look forward to coming to. And uh, we're we're pretty lucky. So this year, I think you guys were going to get really, really lucky with the U.S. Open originally being scheduled to be played the week before your event at Wingfoot. Wingfoot Golf Club in Merrick, New York is 
probably just over two hours, but not a lot over two hours from TPC River Highlands. Yeah. You just shoot right up 84 to 91, and boom, you're there in Cromwell. And you already had a lot of commitments from top players. Rory McIlroy was there. Justin Thomas is going to be there. Bubba Watson, a multiple winner, was there. Um, I believe a, a bunch of other big-name players. Everything was set, and obviously now everything has gone to hell with, with everything that's gone on. Were you at TPC Sawgrass or were representatives of the Travelers Championship at TPC Sawgrass when the Players Championship was canceled? And I ask that because one of the jobs for every tournament, is, aside from basically the majors, is to try and recruit players and encourage them, tell them if they're not familiar with it, all the great things about the venue, the town, the golf course, the amenities, to try and encourage players to come. I mean, if they know about mm -hmm. the tournament, if they've been there, then they're going to decide that scheduling. But but a lot of times, you and your counterparts will go to other events. Were you down there at TPC? And, and if not, was anybody else down there? You know, we, we typically, recruiting is such an interesting thing. Um, but we, we typically would go to players. Um, we go to probably four, I would say we kind of hit four key times of the year where we're out talking to the players. And and I always go <clears throat> with uh, with Andy Bissett from Travelers. I mean, to be able to have a title sponsor and a tournament director kind of there talking to players, talking to managers. I mean, that's been something that we started doing immediately in 07 and, you know, kind of a, I would say a unified, you know, conversation. You have your title there, you have the tournament there mm -hmm. and talking to the players. And it's a very um, different dynamic and different conversation. And so we probably go to about four events a year with those fall uh, late winter, spring, and then maybe hit one more before the tournament starts because these guys are on the road, right? I mean, every week they're either traveling or they're at their homes. And to so to actually get to build a relationship and have some time with them, you need to go on the road to see them. And so uh, Andy and I talked about this, I would say probably like 07, 08, 09, kind of really in the early years, it was like, wait a minute, we're not recruiting. What, what we're doing is we're building relationships with these guys and their families and the caddies. And so whenever we go on the road, I mean, we're spending time with, with everyone. We'll go by the caddy tent and, and talk to the caddies. You know, how are things going? You know, what are you guys doing? We'll talk to players. We spend time with the managers. Hey, what, you know, what is, what's the schedule look like? Like we try to just build relationship with the equipment reps, with everybody, just mm -hmm. to, you know, make everybody feel like, Hey, we, we care about this event. We care about, you know, where we are on the tour. And I'll never forget this conversation. Andy, we talked to Bubba. I want to say it was, was it late 06, early 07. And um, we, you know, went out and we were talking to guys and, and Andy teed this up. He said, no pun intended, but he, we walked up, you know, Bubba's hitting balls. Um, and uh, he said, Hey Bubba, he said, what could we do to make the tournament better? And Bubba kind of paused and went, what, what? He goes, I just assumed you were going to walk up and say, Hey, we'd love to have you come play the event, you know, and I give my normal song and dance, but he goes, you guys literally are trying to make the tournament better. And that's all you asked me. He said, you didn't ask me to come play. You didn't, you know, you just said, Hey, how do you think we could make the tournament better? And it, that mentality, like that's what we do when we talk to guys and you know, we say, Hey, what do you, what do you think on how we could tweak it? Could we make it better? And some things we can fix, some things we can't, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the date has been something that we have spent a lot of time on to, uh, to make as good as possible. Uh, as far as the experience goes, but just the recruiting standpoint, just kind of that word migrated to relationship building and, um, you know, just spending time with the family saying, Hey, what, what can we do? What mm -hmm. can we do to make it better? And it's, and it's worked out very well for us. So there's about a three and a half month gap, give or take between the players championship and the start of the travelers championship. And was there a time 
during that, and, and where there's still obviously plenty of time before the tournament's actually going to get played this year, when you thought it might get postponed or canceled? So I would say when they made that announcement that those first, you know, players in the next, I think it was the next three, I'm trying to remember, that were canceled, like that just sent this this eerie shockwave through, I would say, myself and my peers. Because if there's one thing that we do as tournament directors, as event teams, like we are always planning for contingencies, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we host large events that are outdoors. So, I mean, you look at all the things that could affect you know, your, your event, whether it's mm-hmm. weather or field, you know, you can't control field, you can't control weather, you can't control so many things. So what you do is you have this mentality of building contingency plans. And so there's, you know, 25 ways that we could park our parking lot, but we're only going to use one that year. But there's 24 other things that could have happened, you know, that we have planned out, that yeah. we've worked on, shuttle systems, gravel dumps, you know, who's going to spread it? Where's our offsite parking lot going to be? Where's our ADA shuttle going to go if we lose this? So like our mentality is to plan for contingencies. And when you look over the history of the PGA tour about how many events have been canceled, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but maybe two over the the history of the the PGA tour. And so like there's certain contingency plans. You just kind of like, okay, well we don't need to spend a ton of time and energy on that because look at the statistics on that. And so when it when it came out that they actually canceled events, all of us went, okay, we spend our lives planning for contingencies, but holy cow, like what what does this look like? And then we all just jumped in and we all start calling each other, sharing ideas. And that's one thing about tournaments, host organizations, tournament staffs, tournament directors. It is one of the most collaborative groups of people and of, of any industry that I've seen. I mean, we are always sharing ideas and calling each other. And I mean, honestly, any good idea that we've had at the travelers championship, I I probably took it from some other event or some other idea. And then they, other events will take their ideas from us and, and everybody's totally fine with it because we really don't compete per se. Well, it's in everybody's best interest to put on the best show that you can. And if, if there's a way that you can, improve the experience for the fans, for the players, for everybody involved. And yeah, why, why not share that? That makes total sense. But there was really never a time. It sounds like from what you're saying that you're like, this is not going to happen. Well, I would say, uh, well, no, no. I mean, once you heard, once you felt that shockwave of events actually got canceled and in that, that many events, of course, all of a sudden it went, holy cow, what if we get, like, what if we get canceled? And so we immediately started going, okay, let's work, let's work that scenario backwards, right? Like, let's start with what if we got canceled? How would that work? Where are we in our build? Where are we in our contracts? You know, what's our charity situation? What is, um, you know, uh, like, what are, what are all these things? Where are we at this point in time in March um, where we look at June and what would happen if we were canceled? And so we worked backwards from there, from, you know, cancel to limited build to no build to, you know, just fans on property to limited fans to, you know, this made for TV situation. So we, we joke right now, we're like, we have about five versions of the Travelers Championship that if anybody wants that, we can pull it out of a drawer. Like, you know, now we have that situation. So we did think, I would say in March, we went to what we would consider that ultimate, you know, okay, if events cancel and work mm-hmm. backwards from there on all the different scenarios. So as of this taping, there's just under 20,000 people who've tested positive in the state of Connecticut for the Canaro virus. Um, a lot of them, I'm not going to say 
you know, exact, I don't, I don't have the exact number, but, but a significant amount are in Fairfield County. There are also a lot of people in Hartford, New Haven, every city, Waterbury, mm-hmm. Danbury. And for people who are not really familiar with the geography of the state of Connecticut, it's a small state. You can pretty much drive from side to side and what, two and a half, three hours tops, Andy, probably, yeah. and you know, even, yeah. um, but it's, it's such that Cromwell, Connecticut is not right in what we would consider to be the epicenter of, of where a lot of the action is. People obviously have the, the virus there. They have it there. At what point did you ta- start talking to Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont about the feasibility of running the tournament, about, you know, this is, quote, unquote, an essential part of Connecticut? How do you work with state and local government agencies about ter- get, getting this thing going? So we have been, and the governor and his and his team and his office have been great. He actually was our honorary chair last year. Uh, we have a very good relationship with with him and his team, and he's been very supportive, um, you know, over the years with the tournament. But I would say this: that there, it has always started with a with a safety first mentality. Like there, it hasn't started with a, wow, how do we keep this event going? It has always started with what what's the, the community, what's the safest thing for you know, what's going on in the country right now. And mm-hmm. once we have that conversation, then it is, okay, well, you know, could we host a PGA Tour event in, in that scenario where everybody is safe? And, and Andy Pazder said it, Jay Monahan said it with the tour. Um, the governor has said it. Andy Bissett from Travelers has said it. I've said it. Like, if it's not safe, we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no, it's not like we're going to host this, you know, I mean, we are being, uh, I would say, very aspirational that um, all this is going to be possible to do in mid to late June. I mean, it's I mean, if we try to host it, we couldn't host an event right now. That's what we've talked a lot of our local partners about. You know, when when the schedule came out and they said, oh, it can be made for TV. And they said, how are you going to do this? We said, first of all, it wouldn't happen today if we said, hey, we're going to do this right now. Like, it's just the answer is no. But in, you know, in two months, here are some things that would have to change. And Jay talked about it um, with the tour. He said, you know, widespread testing and, and things like that. But I mean, ultimately, if it's not safe, we would never host an event. So keeping everybody, you know, just from a communication standpoint, talking to the governor's office, talking to state, and, you know, and the local health officials and the town in Cromwell where the event's hosted, just being on the same page with everybody saying, look, we're going to plan for this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. So but the governor and his team have been great as far as just, you know, communicating with us and just staying in touch. And they're, and they're in the same place. I mean, sure, that'd be great to have it. And, you know, we're all going to try to do it from made for TV. But if there's a question, uh, even the slightest question from a safety standpoint, it's just I mean, it won't happen. Is the, the conversation with Jay Monahan and the folks on the PGA Tour, was it? The, the folks that yourself, Andy, from Travelers Championship approached the tour and say, we think that we can do this, if, as you're saying, if certain milestones are hit. We can do adequate testing. We can maybe do it without fans. We, we think we can hold the tournament. Given those things, the, the state and local officials are giving us their blessing, saying, okay, if you can do that, you can, and then you reach out to the PGA Tour, or did the tour come to you and say, do you, do you anticipate if things go well um, that you could do a traveler's championship, you know, of, of some type? Well, I would say that the the best way that I can describe that process is just collaboration. I mean, I I mean, just, and to, and to really kind of unpack that word, I mean, we talk to the tour every day and we have for the last, oh gosh, probably month, five weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are on the phone, like our team and, you know, a, a group of people from the tours team. I mean, we're talking every single day. 
And so, and on the title side, they're talking to travelers and then, you know, we're all talking. So it's not like there is this, you know, on Thursday, here's what has to happen on next Tuesday. Here's what has to happen. I mean, it's like this ongoing conversation, like, Hey, how do we feel about things right now? What are the impacts here? How do we do this? How do we, you know, what do we think about this? And so like, it's just this ongoing collaborative conversation going, okay, you know, so like it, there was never like really this surprise moment of like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to start the build. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody knew it. Everybody had these these deadlines, you know, like, hey, it looks like in two weeks, we're going to need to try to start this or in three weeks, we're going to try to start this. So, I mean, when you're talking to these groups every single day, um, it's not one of those things like where there's ever this surprise aha moment of like, okay, you guys have to make a decision on, you know, this. It's just everybody basically sitting at I mean, metaphorically sitting at a table talking about it going, what do we think as of today? Okay. What do we think now? And how, you know, are we comfortable doing X? And I mean, safety is driving all of it. You know, what are the state regulations? What are the federal regulations? You know, what are the travel things? And then like these decisions kind of, I don't want to say they make themselves, but like this is very obvious, you know, when you look at build schedule, travel restrictions, what's going on with hotels, you know, things like that. It's like, okay, well, it's not going to be that version. It's going to be this version over here. So, mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're talking that much and there's so much information out there that it just becomes basically, it's, it's a conversation and everybody can see where it's going. And then we just, you know, we're kind of talking about, okay, well, when are we talking about this publicly it becomes a conversation. So, um, but it's, it's, it's been extremely collaborative. There hasn't yep. been any, like I said, any aha moments of, oh my gosh, we didn't know that was going to happen. I mean, everybody is talking all the time. So many people who are going to be listening to this have been to PGA tour events. You see, volunteers all over the place uh, in, in tons mm-hmm. of different capacities. You see grandstands, you see rope lines, um, people who are working vending, people who are working in merchandising and, and accessory tents and all that kind of stuff. Plus then the tournament staff, obviously the players, the caddy, the media, uh, TV. On a typical day at, for example, last year or 2018 at the Travelers Championships, how many people are on the grounds and what is your anticipation if things go well and we're able to to run the Travelers Championship? How do you make a decision as to like what are the quote unquote essential people and personnel to to run the golf tournament the way that you feel like you're you're most likely going to run it? How much how big a disparity or how big a difference in terms of bodies are we talking about? So I guess if you go I mean maybe maybe this is gonna answer your question and I can kind of peel it back, but I mean if you go back to let's say, you know, seventeen, eighteen 19, you know, how many people are on site any given day? I mean, if you add up the fans, uh, the support staff, I mean, you know, the television crews, to your point, the volunteers, the vendors, you know, everybody, I mean, there could be on a, I mean, for our event, we're very fortunate. There's, you know, people have come out, they support the event. I mean, our crowds are just, they're, they're, they're awesome. And the energy is just phenomenal. And so, I mean, you go back to one of our, our big days. I mean, there could be as many as 40, 50,000 people on the property throughout mm-hmm. the day. And, you know, I mean, obviously the vast majority of those are fans. Um, so what we started to do with the tour is, okay, if we go for this made for TV model and, you know, I, and let me pause here for a second. Like we obviously know we are part of a, a much broader landscape, whether it's in sports, you know, the PGA tour schedule and, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening to try to get, you know, to, you know, uh, golf back, back going, you know, if it's safe to do so. So the made for TV version, we, we knew is part of a, a much broader story. Like they're going to eventually get back to letting fans on property, but, you know, being the, the first initial one, it's like, okay, how do we make this model work for us? 
Um, so when you look at that, I mean, that this is something we've been working with the tour for the last you know couple of weeks, really, really diving into the details of, okay, let's look at the television crew. Let's right. look at you know, the, um, the, the volunteer committees, let's look at all the support around it and honestly just trimming it, trimming it, trimming it down. And I mean, I don't think we're ready to say, Hey, here's going to be the number. Cause I mean, we had a, a, a call last night about it going, okay, let's take that from 20 people to 10 people because, you know, can we do this? And can we, could that person do two or three roles instead of just, you know, bring this on for one mm-hmm. role? So, um, I would say that I can't speak to what other events are doing, but I mean, in general, what we're doing is really trying to trim it down to say, what is, you know, what's the least amount of people we can have on property. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's, I mean, we're talking in the, I mean, I can't say exactly, but I mean, in the hundreds, not in the tens of thousands, well, you know, yeah, I mean, it I has completely that's one of, changed. One of the things a lot of people may have heard of, but may not be, a lot of them won't be aware of after, um, TPC Scottsdale, and the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which draws enormous crowds. Obviously, I, I think they get over half a million, if I'm not mistaken, for the week. Um, a huge it's crowds. Unbe- it's unbelievable. It's but, unbelievable. But, but this term of the Travelers Championship has historically been one of the biggest events in terms of the gate for a long, long time. I mean, as you had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we don't have here in Connecticut a Major League Baseball team, an NFL football team. The Whalers have been gone for a while, so there's no NHL team. UConn basketball is is a big deal um you kind of women's basketball is an enormous deal here in connecticut um there's some minor league baseball that's really fun to go to and we have a number of teams spread throughout the state um there is minor league hockey that's in the state which is really fun with the wolf pack um but the the biggest sporting event of the year on the calendar aside from every other year when the harvard yale game is is going on which is a lot of fun down at yale bowl is is the travelers championship by a mile it's a huge event. So to to think that we would be going, if you're saying to 40 or 50,000 people, to I was trying to do the same exercise in my head. I'm like, okay, there needs mm-hmm. to be a television crew because this is going to be a TV-only event. And it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse to think of, well, do they have cameras, for example, on every hole? And is there going to be a tower that's going to be built? Like, okay, now you've got to get somebody there to build the scaffolding. Because I'm presuming if there's no fans – that none of the scaffolding and the bleachers are up right now at TPC River Highlands, are they? I mean, there's not going to be a rope line. There won't be a need for one. So the, a lot of the structures aren't going to be there this time, right? No, there will be no structures. I mean, to your point, it's, uh, it's going to be – I mean, when we're working with CBS and the Golf Channel on, you know, how's the broadcast going to take place? You know, mm-hmm. what what do we need? I mean, so, I mean, I could see there being TV towers, you know, and obviously things to, to help with the broadcast, but those those can go up very quickly. Those are easy. You know, yeah, I mean, our – our normal, our normal build would typically start in early April. I mean, to build, and this is goes for probably most tournaments. I, I don't want to, you know, say that every single yeah. tournament is the exact same way, but I mean, you know, three four months in advance of a tournament to start its build is not abnormal. You know, I mean, it's just there's so much infrastructure that goes in. So, um, I mean, we are not doing any of that, and we're not going to have anything on property. One again, I okay, come back to this. I mean, it's just until it's safe to do anything, we're mm-hmm. we're just not going to until everybody agrees that it's safe. So, um, I mean, the infrastructure is going to mean what we could have for the made for TV is going to be so limited that it's going to be able to go up pretty quickly, um, uh, close to the event. I, I'm I'm I'll be fascinated to see what the broadcast of non. Um, fan events is going to look like because all of a sudden the golf course is going to, and this is now getting into the golf part of it, which 
to be honest with you, is the much more fun thing to talk about. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's going to look so different. Like we're used to seeing fairways lined with fans. We're used to seeing big grandstands behind the greens and in some cases mm -hmm. behind tee boxes. And um, you know, number one tee box at TPC River Highlands has a semi horseshoe. Um, kind of an effect. Mm -hmm. there's, there's stands on, on the one side to you know that the players are hitting on, and there's a, a slope where a lot of fans will be lining down the left side, and um, you're not going to see that. It's going to look so much more yeah. open. It's going to look like it's there for member play, a really really good member yeah. play, but but member play nonetheless. <laughs> um, talk me through what you would anticipate. Now this is sort of like the in the weeds things for the players, but let's say that that things come off. We're able to get testing. We're able to do some of the things, and I want to get to that that part in a second, but the players show up Thursday, Friday for the tournament. Do they park their own cars? Is the clubhouse open? How like do, do the range balls have to get cleaned after Rody hits them? Do the range pickers, you know, do they all wear gloves? Do the caddies wear gloves? I realize that's a whole bunch of questions, but you can sort of see where I'm going with this. Is you have oh, to yeah. think not only the safety of of the players, but like what is a day of this type of tournament from what you can gather right now look like? So these are all great questions, and we're going to put you on our operations team. Uh, these are all great <laughs> questions that we're, we're we're working we're working through. So the tour has been very good about this and putting a lot of energy behind this, and you know, really working with tournaments, working with operations teams. You know, obviously they have the championship management group that, where they manage some of their own events as well. But working with everybody, going let's walk through every constituent that you know we've okay. So we've trimmed it down; it's made for TV. Now let's walk through the day of every constituent and every touch point they have with any experience on property from eating to getting balls to parking their car, you know, whatever it is, yeah. like let's walk through the day of every person. And so that's what we've been doing and going, okay, let's, let's pick this group now. Let's walk through and just having a group of people just seeing it from every possible angle and then throwing all the what ifs after, like I mentioned earlier, like that's what we do. We throw what ifs at everything. And, and then what's our answer? And so going through all those groups, I, mean, I, I can't tell you all the specifics right now, just because mm -hmm. we're still working through them. And I'm, yeah. I'm, like I said, I mean, we couldn't host the event if it was tomorrow, but you know, there are certain things that would have to be very different, but you're hitting on all the exact things that we are walking through. And it is, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. Like in, in one sense, it's crazy. In the other sense, it's like, this is what we do. Right. I mean, we walk through a player experience from beginning to end, trying to make sure, you know, in a normal, let's say in a normal tournament, we will say, okay, what's going to happen when the play, when the last putt drops? And we historically followed the U.S. Open. When the last putt literally dropped at the U.S. Open, we feel like the experience at the Travelers Championship starts, starts yep. then. Yep. So we have, you know, we have teams that were wherever the U.S. Open is. We have people there, basically now holding their hand the entire experience, getting them to the charter, getting their luggage because we, we fly a charter for the players. I was going to say last year, and, last year you had a charter. Was it from Monterey or was it from San Francisco to, to Hartford overnight? Yeah, we we, we actually well, so that's uh, interesting because we had it actually the uh, the next day because we talked to the players and they said, you know what, let us get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, let's leave early in the morning. So yeah. we learned that from the West Coast Opens. It's funny. You, the West Coast Opens, the guys like to leave the next morning. But it gets to, like, middle of the country. If they can get in, like, before midnight, they'll mm -hmm. want to leave that night. So that's, that's a whole other conversation. And, and, uh, and, and the formulas and spreadsheets that we work through and time zones and all of that. But um, so, I mean, you know, working that experience from the last putt drops for the players, their families, the caddies, the wives, like the, the, everybody, the support team, the agents, like that's how we look at it. So we just kind of have applied that same mentality to, okay, from a safety standpoint, 
how do we, when they leave the last tournament that they're playing, and listen, you thought you thought following the U.S. Open was tough. i got to follow RBC Heritage now. I sent Steve Wilmot, their tournament director, a note going, really, I can't catch a break, man. Come on, now i got to follow you. So, um, but you know, kind of what's the experience leaving from there, and then when they get into our quote-unquote bubble, what do we do? But all those details that you're talking about, those yeah. are the exact things that, that all of us are working through right now. It's going to be complicated because, again, th- this is – this is the behind the scenes stuff that that most fans, certainly the ones on television, never see. So if I am Justin Thomas and I'm pulling him totally at random just because he's a big name and not that I have money on him <laughs> any point this season. But um, let's say that I'm Justin Thomas <laughs> and I pull in, in in the courtesy car that you got at the airport because Justin Thomas just flew in or just came in from the So he's now got a rental car, assuming that he didn't drive his own car. Um, you pull in. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a term that will have valet parking. Um, sometimes there is a general parking lot. A lot of times, and you you park your car, and maybe your caddy's with you. You get out, you get the bag, you go into the clubhouse. At TPC River Highlands, the clubhouse and the practice facility are not right next to each other. The clubhouse is right behind 18 Green. It's a very short little uh, stroll to to number one T. But the practice facility is probably about a five minute walk. It's no big deal because typically you guys would provide. Um, shuttle carts that are manned by volunteers mm-hmm. that would take the players right over to the uh, the practice ground. And I'm trying to think to myself, if I'm Justin Thomas and I just got in, um, do I jump into a cart? Now, again, as you had sort of said, mm-hmm. um, that cart can be cleaned and disinfected lots of different times throughout the day. The volunteer is going to you know, be wearing like all these different things. But two months from now, um, and it's the end of mm-hmm. June, the world could be a different place. Um, Justin mm-hmm. Thomas... You know, I'm not wishing ill on anybody. Could find out that he didn't even know he had it. All of a sudden, he's tested positive for antibodies to the Corona 19 mm-hmm. virus. So he his own situation. But what I'm saying is that your job to map out this in the uniqueness of your venue, the uniqueness of Sea Pines, the uniqueness of every mm-hmm. event is going to really it gets down to such a granular level, and you have to, Nathan. I would think think of every mm-hmm. person. Um, at some point, again, there's not going to be fans, so you're not going to have concession stands out on the golf course. Mm-hmm. But the players are going to need, for example, lunch or or access to food on site. Oh. Um, you know, the TV crews usually have a compound, and they'll bring in catering trucks a lot of times, or go with media dining, mm-hmm. something like that. That's more people. That's more people. And I know that you can strip away and strip away, but there's a certain number to them. The exercise has just got to just be maddening. It's just got to be just like it, you, you you do it, but like you've got to feel at some point like we've got to be missing something. Somebody's going to roll in. Um, yeah. Do, do, do yeah. you guys do you guys literally have like flow charts that just go on for days about the experience until somebody finally leaves and then they're in somebody else's bubble and not yours? So I mean, there, there's so many ways that we've looked at it, and we've done visuals, whether it's you know circles and bubbles and who's inside this circle and. You know how when you know when they move from this circle to this circle, what happens and what's the protocol? And it's it's almost like a credentialing system. It's like okay, people who have access here, what is their protocol? And then it, you get tighter and tighter. And it, I mean, it's whether it's a, a smart sheet or whether it's creating the graphics that we've done. I mean, you think about it like a tree. I mean, like as as you go down one branch, like there's so many multiple little branches that are going to come off of that one branch. And, and honestly, I mean, that's our job. Our job is to run down every single branch and where could this take us? And could there be anything that could, mm-hmm. you know, interject itself into this experience? And if there is, what are we going to do about it? And what's our response? So, I mean, you're asking all the questions that, that we're asking, but we literally will, 
um, we had, we had a half day session, um, a couple days ago going, okay, everybody, we're just, we're, we're, we just landed on the ground as a player. And then to your point, everything, how am I getting my luggage? Who is set up there? Where is my yeah. car? What, what happened? And, and, and not that, but take it backwards, even a step. Where did my luggage come from? Where did my car come from? Well, that's the Where thing is that just, all of a sudden, like, you know, you got to think about most, most of the players are going to be flying into Bradley, I'm assuming, and mm-hmm. yeah. they typically have courtesy cars. Well, where do the courtesy cars come from? Who's providing them? Nope. Are they cleaned out? Yeah. Are, are like, are, traffic right now is not a problem. Like That is not an issue at this point. We'll <laughs> see what's going to be in two months. But one of the things that, that in sort of our profession sometimes we refer to as burying the lead, which is sort of the obvious question. And I know that you've got to go here in just a couple of minutes, and I want to make sure to get to this point, and I hopefully I haven't buried the lead too badly. Um, as much as I love sports and as much as I love golf and selfishly very mm-hmm. much want to see it all come back is all of this worth it i guess you know we we love sports and we want to see um players playing around tpc river highlands the tournament's always exciting it's fun as i mentioned before full disclosure it's my home game i this 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 event has a very special place in my heart for this but one of the big things i've got to believe that to make this come off is a lot of testing um and i would <clears throat> i would assume that there's probably going to be testing on-site or multiple tests that players, caddies, key people are going to be administered, and then you get those results quickly. Because if something happens and you do find out that somebody tests positive and they're around these people, um, that's an issue that has to be dealt with immediately. Um, with that stuff in mind, there are going to be certain people that are going to say, look, you know, we love sports too. We want sports, but we don't need sports. Um, Hartford, mm-hmm. New Haven, Fairfield County right now could use all the test kits, I'm sure, that they can get their hands on. Um, what would you say to people that might be out there listening to this that, that would say, look, that's all well and good to, to hold the tournament, but it's it's just too soon at this point? I, I would say if if that is the, the feeling in you know mid to late June that everybody feels like it's too soon, I mean, we won't have it. You know, I mean, but we're talking about two months from now, right? And yep. and everybody has said from from uh, the commissioner and everybody saying, look, we're not going to be pulling kits away from people who need them. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. be doing anything that would put anybody else in in danger per se. And so, if you were to say, you know, it's too risky, I would say I 100% agree with you. Right now, in mid-April, it's too risky to do this. Mm-hmm. But again, we're kind of forecasting out a couple months into June. Okay, if things change could we do this? And I think what the tour is saying is they're saying we could see how this could be possible to do in mid to late June. Mm-hmm. But to your, to your point, you know, is it too soon? I mean, I would say we're not going to be, if it feels too soon, it's not going to happen, Got it. you know, and, and the tour and the tour has said that, but I would say at, at some point, whether it's June, July, August, September, like whenever it is, right? I mean, a year from now, two years mm-hmm. from now, like sports, sports will start up again at some point, and there will be at some point in the next year and a half, you know, like the first sports being played. Yeah. And those first ones are going to have to, you know, say like, hey, we're going to do things like they've never been done before from a mm-hmm. public safety standpoint, and we're going to do it. And like, is everybody okay? And you're looking around going, Hey, we have all the protocols in place. And are we okay as a community, as a, you know, as a sports organization to take that step forward. And if that first step is in June, you know, we will be uh, as safe as possible. If it's July, August, September, whenever it is like there will be somebody who 
who does it in a safe manner. And right now, I think the tour is saying that they feel like June could be the safe time to do that. But if it, there is any point, any question where it's just too soon, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's going to happen just because it's not, it's not worth the risk. So it's pretty safe to assume that there will be on-site testing, that players, caddies, and people like that. There's got to be some kind of a mechanism in place that shows or identifies people have been tested in order to get access to the grounds and access to the tournament, I would assume. Yes? Well, I would say that I'm, I mean, we're going to work closely with the tour on that because, like, ultimately – I can have a bunch of ideas on stuff, but like we are a PGA tour event and we are going to hundred percent take the lead from the tour on what to do with that, how to do that. And then we'll take the lead from the state on, you know, with, with the rest of the people on property. Mm -hmm. So, um, I I can't, I would say this, I I can't speak to exactly how all that's going to work, but I mean, I would just say that, you know, what Jay said about having widespread testing, I think he said it last week, you know, about that being, um, you know, it's going to be necessary to restart competition. I mean, we're just, we're working with the tour on, on what that means and mm-hmm. what that would look like. Listen, Nathan, I really appreciate you giving me a little bit of time. I know that you're really busy. There's lots of crazy things going on. Stay safe, stay well. Hopefully uh, we'll have a chance at a safe distance to uh, to say hello with uh, TPC River Highlands here in about two months. Hey, David, thanks for the time. Great talking to you. And I do look forward to seeing you soon in person. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks a lot. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.